Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Nick Davis! Nick Davis! I don't believe it! I see it, but I don't believe it! All right, so let's start off another episode of I See It But I Don't Believe It, which is just footy stories that we want to talk about, pretty much. Um, this episode's going to have Joe. Hi, Joe. Hi there. Hey. So, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Buddy's move to the Swans, like the his... greatest free agency coup in history. <laughs> An historic move, actually. Yeah. I've, I've called it, because I think the impact on the AFL in general mm. after that was affected by this, obviously. So let's start it out. Set the scene. So context around Buddy. If you don't know who he is, some people don't. Don't hate them. So he was drafted in 2005 to Hawthorne. um, And over those eight years or so that he was there, he kind of became one of the best, if Mm. not the best forward of the modern era. Mm. Um, The last forward to kick 100 goals in a season in 2008 when he kicked 113. He's got... Eight all Australians now. Yep. I don't know how he, I don't know how many he had when he left. He had a number of Coleman medals. Four and sees so four at either club now. So yeah. The only year he missed with the Swans was 2015 when he had depression. And that was the only year that he didn't kick more than what 50 Ooh, more, goals. Yep. Which yeah, is pretty more than 50. And besides this year, he's kicked 70 goals every year. This year he had 59, right? Yeah. He's pretty good at football. Fair to say. I mean, he's all right. Yeah, I like him. Um, so when you're a big, talented player at, at the time, a very big club, they're still big, we just don't like them very much. Um, when the AFL introduces something called free agency, where players can move a little bit more freely after they've served their time at a club, they're going to talk about you, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I don't think there was actually another big story that year. It was 2013, wasn't it? It was his final year. Yeah. I mean, it became more about where's he going to go than who's going to win the flag at one point. I think a lot of people had him linked to GWS because, you know... I think everyone had him linked to GWS. Yeah, pretty much everyone. Like it. I remember the moment we all knew he was going was at the uh, flag celebration at uh, Waverley or... Glen Ferry, wherever they hold it, the Hawks, he started tearing up in his speech about how much the club had meant to him over his years and 
even though he didn't say it explicitly, that was the moment everyone understood, okay, he's gone. And pretty much everyone thought it was going to be GWS. They had the expanded cap. They needed a big forward. Uh, they yeah, had the AFL organising things for them. That's right. Mike Fitzpatrick, shout out to him. <laughs> um, so we all know what most of football media is like. Um, we all know that they'll do anything to get a story. Just we all know that they're going to push and push and push. So I think what happened in that context is quite significant. And the way, the way people found out about where he eventually was going was mm. quite significant. So I'll, uh, I'll continue setting the scene. So pretty much 99% of the world, the world, Australia, Melbourne, yeah. had, had uh, resigned themselves to the fact that he was going to be at this expansion club that had only existed for a year, two years. Um, the conversation had become... How is he going to fit in a team with Jeremy Cameron, Jonathan Patton and Rory Lobb? Mm. How are they going to fit them all up forward? That what, was what the conversation was. The conversation was no longer, is he going to go? Mm. It was done. Everyone was ready that that's what was going to happen. Yeah. Until the 1st of October, 2013. Um, uh, then f- maybe they had about 1,000 Twitter followers. They had very few Twitter followers at this yeah. time, GWS. Most of them would have been friends and family of the players too. Yep. Um, so just quietly, I distinctly remember being at my hospitality job. Oh. Everyone knows that I'm a very big Sydney Swans fan. Everyone knows that. Everyone um, with the tattoo on you. Everyone knows that. And um, I was not a fan of Buddy. <laughs> I was not. No. Um, and I'd gone on my break and come back and then someone else had gone on their break and when they came back from their break, they told me that, oh, the, the Swans have offered Buddy a nine-year contract and I thought they were screwing with me. Yeah. Um, so, this is where they found that out. October 1st, 2013, the Giants tweeted the following. The Giants have withdrawn their offer to Buddy Franklin based on advice that he will accept an offer from the Swans. Have you read a more bitter tweet in your life? Um, nah. No. I was thinking on it. I'm Jesus Christ. You could almost feel the anger and the seething rage. Like, what I've always wanted with stuff like that is who types that? Is it the normal PR person? Or does the CEO just take the phone out of their hands, <laughs> tweet that, and then break it? <laughs> I think Mike Fitzpatrick tweeted that. <laughs> so... Providing a little bit more context, um, the AFL had created this club, this, mm. this new club, expansion club, and um, was creating them as a rival for the Swans mm. to encourage more passionate supporting of AFL football in Sydney, in yeah. New South Wales. So they wanted to make sure the Giants were competitive with the Swans because the Swans had had a really good run of years, yeah. many, many years, so. and... Um, and they wanted these rivalry games to be really top quality games. Yeah, well, I think they opened the season with it one year, didn't they? Oh, for the first four or five years they opened the season. Yeah, together. which was not a good decision. Well, battle of the bridge, right? <laughs> but they wanted it to be successful. And 
This is how they were going to do it. Sydney Derby's fine. Yeah. So the AFL wasn't happy when Ooh, no. when Sydney had somehow managed to keep it completely quiet that they were offering the biggest name in the in the game at the time, probably still. Yeah. Uh, the longest contract anyone had heard about for 10 years. Actually, 20 years. We'll come back to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. But this long contract and a lot of money, how did they manage to keep it so quiet that no one in the media saw this coming? No one at the Giants saw it coming until this tweet. And it was just kind of a bombshell. It was probably the biggest thing to happen in a number of years in the game. Mm. Um, Possibly ever, really. I mean, it's in the conversation. Just context. Um, Joe is irrationally obsessed with Buddy Franklin, so let's um, temper that a little bit here. I love him. He's an angel. He can do no wrong. I didn't think this at the time, Marla. I, like you, was not particularly happy. Wasn't a big fan of his, but... So... I've learned... (laughs) Ten million dollars over nine years. So once the shock had subsided, of okay, he's going to Sydney, but not the part of Sydney that we expected. Um, the conversation became about the length and the money that he had been um, contracted for, hmm. because it was pretty much unprecedented in the game. The, there had only been one contract of this length or longer previous to this. Um, in the AFL era, which was Alistair Lynch, who was offered a 10-year deal in 1993. Yep. That deal was a little bit different. So free agency had only just come in when Buddy was um, kind of moving clubs and he had... um, he had a restricted free agency status, which means if his club, Hawthorne, was able to match the deal or increase the deal that the other club was offering, he had to stay. But because Sydney did this crazy, crazy thing at the time and offered this outrageous deal, Hawthorne were never going to match that. So they got their man. They got what they wanted. And it was backloaded. So at the start of his contract, he was actually taking a pay cut, which would then be earning more later on in his career. So it fit perfectly for the Swans. It got their man because Hawthorne weren't going to offer that, even though in the first few years he'd be earning more at Hawthorne. It was very, very clever by the Swans. Can you tell we're Swans fans? But back to, <laughs> back to Alistair Lynch. So Alistair Lynch's 10-year contract was to keep him at Brisbane. Mm. or Fitzroy, the, wasn't it? Well, it was... Was it Brisbane Bears or Fitzroy that he was? Brisbane Bears. Oh, I thought it was Fitzroy. So he lived through, or he played through the merger situation. Ah, Yeah. Um, So he was offered 10 years in the 90s. The money paled in comparison. I think he was earning the equivalent of about $300,000 a year, which is still a lot of money, don't get Mm. me wrong, but compared to what players are offered now, that's actually very, very little. Yeah. but he was offered the 10-year deal. He managed to... Well, he suffered through injury through the start of it. Just a note on Alistair Lynch as well. He battled that through that 10-year deal with chronic fatigue syndrome, a whole mm. bunch of other injuries. And then, end of the 10-year deal, signs another one-year contract, <laughs> plays till he's 36. 
And at the start of his deal, everyone thought everyone was crazy as well. But he he signed another contract after it. So, you know. um, Just like Buddy's going to do. I mean, he's going to be a coach. Um, After he signed a contract extension. No. Um, So, the next best part. Because the Swans, I'm going to say outsmarted the AFL. Mm. Because the AFL, again, they were very much invested in... GWS's success and part of their plan for that was the biggest player in the game going to that club just like they planned for Gary Ablett to go to Gold Coast Um, we see how that worked out don't we so Buddy doesn't get to GWS the northern states so the non-footy states have something called the cost of living allowance or COLA this allows an extra, I think it was 9% of a contract. or 9.8. Yeah, 9.8% of a contract added on top of every player's contract across the board. It wasn't doled out by the Swans. It was doled out by the higher-ups. Because when you're living in a non-footy state and it costs you more to live there, how else are you going to retain players? That's the way, right? Exactly. When it was brought in, obviously... It was just us and the Lions or Bears, whatever they were at the time. And we were not that good team. Neither of us nope. were. And then, obviously, they brought in the expansion sides who were going to be a long way for, from success. Goldcast looked like they still are. And basically, it's the please come play in a non-footy state contract room. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's a little bit more expensive. But when you're on six figures at minimum, it doesn't make that much difference to you. Yeah. But it um, it is a is it was I say was yeah. a um, rest in peace. <laughs> it was a payment system that I don't think a lot of people fully understood, mm. and I think some Victorian presidents uh, took took that and ran with it. So, do you have all, any names? It was almost propaganda ish in the way that it was used Ooh. because it was argued that. The Swans have an advantage because they've got this extra money that they're allowed to dole out to players. But the reality of it was they don't have that extra money. It's just this extra added on for those other reasons. But those other reasons are never talked about, are they? It's, no. it's they get extra money. It's unfair. They shouldn't be allowed it. So as soon as Buddy was able to um, go up for this contract, following a year where Sydney got the biggest free agent of the year before in Kurt Tippett, I love Kurt Tippett, Second biggest. He, was Brendan Goddard went in the same year as Tippo. No. Um, <laughs> Tippett, biggest one of the year before and on pretty good money at the Swans yeah. and there was a little bit of controversy surrounding that situation. Yeah. So people kicked up a stink and the AFL decided, yeah, we're pretty mad about this too because we didn't get what we wanted even though we signed off on it and it was completely within the rules. Mm. So you have two options. You can either... Immediately remove all COLA payments from all of your current contracted players. Super illegal. Um, so changing all their contracts on the spot, uh, because it's that's really simple to do, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, or legal. Yeah. Yeah, that would work. Or you can be banned from trading for one or two years. Was it just one? Ooh. I think it might have been two. I think it was two, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... They lightened it in the second year, but it was definitely two. Yeah. I love that the Swans did this because I think that it's hilariously arrogant. Mm. They said, yep, 
screw you, we'll be banned from trading and we'll still make a grand final um, or multiple grand finals or stay in the top of the ladder or all of those things. So Sydney was banned from trading because they were within the rules and because they uh, legally offered a player a contract that they could afford because they had good list management. Who got pushed out with Buddy being offered that contract at Sydney? Shane Mumford. Shane Mumford. Eh. Uh, yeah. I mean, we had Tippett, and Tippett could rock and forge. Obviously, Tippett not... is an angel. Yeah, great. Like, and Mummy obviously was a fantastic. Tippett was a better player than Mumford. Oh, for sure. Not a better ruckman, but absolutely a better player. But... What More you, useful Ma- to the team. Mike exactly, Pike was yeah. still Mumford in. obviously went to GWS anyway. Who, I would argue, it's easy to they say. They needed more. Hindsight. Yeah. It's easy to say it's an hindsight, but I think that it worked out better for GWS that they got Mumford instead of Buddy, which they probably wouldn't have agreed with me at the time. But It's true. It is. And he's back for them yeah. for the <laughs> 2019 season. Who else got uh, moved on to make space for Buddy? Jed Lamb. Uh, Andreas Everett. A lot of fringe players. Uh, players that Sydney haven't really missed. No. We don't often lose players that we desperately want to keep. Because they want to stay, so yeah, they'll work out a way right. to stay. This was all before the 2017 CBA um, 20% salary rise that mm. all the Players Association and, and all of those people kind of negotiated for and bargained for. So this meant that there was a 20% increase on total player payments, which means the salary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Salary cap goes up by 20% and everyone's um, current contract goes up by 20%, yeah. which, fuck, I'd love that. <laughs> um, yeah. So this was a very significant contract at the time, but now when you look at the context of how big the salary cap is and um, what players are getting paid mm. and all that kind of stuff, it's starting to become a bit of the norm. Yeah. Well, what was really significant was the length of contract at his age, I think. Yeah, it was 26 when he got him. Was he? 26, 27? 27, because he'll be 36 when his contract finishes. That's right, yeah. Well, he was quite old and... Obviously, it had the, what do you call it, run of back injuries. Nothing massively serious, but 
the sort of thing that you would raise an eyebrow at, at giving a nine-year contract to. But fair to say, he's lasting. As you say, a nine-year contract with the CBA, it's going to go up one more time before he this one expires. So between that and the backloading, I think we've managed to pay pretty well. and We've hung on to a lot of big names like Parker, Jake Lloyd, Joey Kennedy, all those sorts who have been up for grabs at various points have all stayed. Lost Tom Mitchell, but... Um, I mean, he was fourth in line in a really strong midfield that wanted to be number one, mm. and he wasn't going to get there at Sydney for a very long time. So it made sense that he moved on and yeah. it opened up a lot of space to provide Sydney ways to get other people anyway. Like, yeah, that's right. Uh, Sydney was very much... Uh, one speed midfield mm. and he was very much a one speed player as well whereas that opened up the ability to get in outside run mm. um, or, or begin to do that they're si- still in the process of doing that but um, yeah so that being said the um, the buddy move probably helped Sydney's list management more than it hurt it yeah absolutely I mean I think what a lot of us as Sydney fans and maybe even AFL fans, I don't know, I don't really talk to people that don't back for Swans. What we didn't realise is how smart and lovely a guy he would end up being, what a good mentor he would be to our young crop of forwards that eventually came through. Like, a lot of people, and I'll admit I was one of them, had issues with this culture. Like, We obviously have the no dickheads policy, which is really more of a one dickhead at a time policy, but still... I think we were bringing him in and he was not a well-liked guy at a really disliked club. I think we all thought he's going to ruin the culture, he's going to party too much, which he probably did at the start, but he seems to have really reformed. And like, Listen to young players talk about it. I remember Will Hayward at some point this year said, when I came to the Swans, I only knew him as Buddy, the superstar, and now I've gotten to know Lance Franklin. And you hear stuff like that. I don't think we realised just how valuable he was going to be. Like we knew he was going to kick however many goals a year, but as a coach and as a tactician, he's just brilliant. So th- this is something that comes in when you talk about the buddy contract. Um, and this is something that not just as a Sydney fan, but just as a footy fan, uh, it bothers me when people take this stance, um, but it especially bother- bothers me when Swans fans take this stance, is that... Um, he wasn't worth getting unless you win a premiership with him. Um, so, and, and they blame the 2014-2016 grand final losses on him. So I, I have very strong opinions on this and I think it's relevant to, to this story in particular. He comes in at Hawthorne. He played a very, very um, specific, uh, almost selfish role. And that's what the club wanted from him. And mm. that's the way Alistair Clarkson wanted him to play. He won Coleman's, he did all that stuff. He was great, but I wasn't a fan of him. I thought, I, I'm going for the Swans. I'm not a fan of selfish football or it being all about one person. Mm. I'm very much a fan of everyone does the job. So the 2005 Premiership, that was across the board, even performance. That's why I love that club so much right so I couldn't see how he would fit in terms of the on-field culture of everyone plays a role it's not it's not one person above another yeah um but he really really quickly 
worked out how to play amongst that team structure, which I really admire because it can't be easy to switch the way you play like that. So anyone that has the argument that it wasn't worth it unless there's a premiership, I, I don't think that's a relevant argument because what he's done for the club has been much more broad ranging than just result. So that forward line that Sydney's developed, that all those young small forwards mostly, hmm. um, Will Haywood, Tom Papley, George Hewitt, who started his career as a forward, kicked three goals on debut. Tom McCartan in his uh, debut season, Ben Ronk, all of those guys, they rally around Buddy and they learn from him. Mm. And I don't think they would have developed as such good players who in the 2018 season held Sydney up off the mat when they were struggling. They would not be the players they quickly became to be without his leadership on the field. And you hear things like um, Tom Papley in his first or second season did an interview where um, he calls him little man or little brother or something. And Buddy specifically said to him, if anyone's giving you grief, just run past me so your player comes with you and I'll I'll bump into him for you. So he's, he's providing them... A, safe, a little bit of a safety net early in their career so they can take risks, they can try those things. And yeah. there are so many examples of how the Swans' young forwards are confident to do those things. I think a lot of it comes from Buddy and his, his instilling that in them and encouraging them, them to do those things. They've kept Sydney up off the mat in the 2018 season because they were struggling... Those young guys dragged them through effectively. That wouldn't have happened without Buddy. So his impact on the Swans now and for the next 10 years is relevant, not just because of how many goals he's kicked, but because of the way the young players are developing to set Sydney up across the field. Mm. Um, And I think it, it bothers me when particularly Swans fans have that argument because it's showing that they're not watching the game Closely enough. No, totally. I was saying a bit earlier, having this exact discussion with Dad, and I said, well, the narrative really has to flip from he owes us the premiership to we owe him a flag. Like, he could have won two or three more at Hawthorne, and he's come here, and he's done everything for us. Like, he's gone well above and beyond what I think anybody could reasonably have expected of him, and he's... As you said, he's lifted up all of our young guys. So they're playing out of their skin. They're more confident than a 20-year-old should have any right to be. Except for Tom McCartan. Except for Tom McCartan, because he's an angel <laughs> and also doesn't have any confidence. But he'll learn. But as you say, well, he's given us so much. We owe him a flag. Yeah, I mean, his performance in the 2014 and 2016 Grand Finals, it, it wasn't him that lost the game. It was... The fact that no one, like the the team across the ground, were bad. It's mm. not one player's poor performance is going to lose you a grand final. It's when your team isn't gelling, and sometimes as soon as Sydney runs out on the field, you can tell. Can't, yeah. They they just can't make it happen. They're exhausted. They're this or they're that. It's not his fault. No. He's one member of a huge team. No. He can only do so much, you know. And it it's rubbish that. People are making that argument. Anyway, and I think, I think that 
comes back to the length of contract discussion because people were skeptical at the start. They want to they want to still be proven right. And because it, he's still playing very well, five years into his contract, six years into his contract almost, they need to take another angle to be negative about it because otherwise they'll be proven wrong. Mm. And I think that's what it comes down to. And I think a lot of football media perpetuates this negativity around it because they want something to talk about and they can't see a positive in it, so they're going to make it as negative as possible. Anyway, so CBA, increase, 2017. We're back to the story. (laughs) So um, length of contract really did pave the way for a lot of other guys now. So um, a, a very, very recent example is Tom Lynch's free agency move to Richmond, which is a seven-year contract, which no one batted an eyelid at. No. And that that's no one batted an eyelid because Buddy did it that all, so many years before and it was so talked about and it was the free agency move as well. It wasn't the Alistair Lynch situation. It was keeping him at a club. So give him so many years so he's got security. It's It was a free agency, modern football transaction. Um, yeah. And it was a seven, it's a seven-year contract. So yeah. And how old is Lynchy? 26. 26. So he's about yeah. the same age. Um, I mean, why Richmond didn't offer him nine years? I don't know. <laughs> there are two others. So Tom Boyd at Western Bulldogs and Nat Fife, they're both on six-year deals, one to move clubs and the other to stay at a club. So... These longer-term contracts are becoming much more prevalent, I think partially to do with the so far success of the Buddy contract. Yeah. Well, that's obviously because Buddy's proving it can happen. Like, if you invest on a superstar and a guy you know can play, he'll probably continue to play really well. And I think the big turnaround was... Obviously, he came in straight away in 2014, was a superstar, won the Coleman, took us to a grand final, which I think we all pretty well knew it was going to happen. But as in the next year, where he had all those mental health issues, had, by his standards, probably one of the poorer seasons in his career. Only hit 40-something goals, played 17 games. But then he came back off the mat so strongly the next year. like He had another 70-goal season, made All-Australian again, and... Of course, the year after that. Well, we made a grand final that year as well. That's right. At that point, every time we played a final series, we'd made it to a grand final. So, <laughs> so I'm hanging on to that stat. But, yeah, I think that's the fact that they showed that even if they stumble, they'll come back up. And you basically, there's a handful of athletes in any sport at any given time that you can trust to be consistently amazing. If you find one, lock them up and do whatever you can to keep them at your club for as long as possible. And now, like as you say, uh, was uh, Boydie got it, Tom Lynch got it, Fife got it, Josh Kelly, Dustin Martin, even Dan Hanbury's been given five years. And I think it's the other thing: free agency is clubs don't want to lose these players yep. either. Or if they do, they want to know they'll get something in return. Yeah, yeah. Um- yeah, another thing about the kind of the talk around Buddy as well that is endlessly frustrating is um, you'll have the same apparently expert and analyst um, saying about how Sydney relies too much on Buddy. 
and that's their downfall and he's ruined the club and he's ruined the game style and all of this. And then about 30 seconds later, they'll say, they're not, they're not using Buddy enough or why is Buddy up the field? Mm. And it's just like, it's always about him mm. for them. But I feel like within the club, it's not. And that was something that I failed to appreciate when he was first announced as going to Sydney, that within the club, within Sydney, because they're outside of this Melbourne kind of really intense environment, that they could in-house treat him as, as if he was anyone else. I mean, when you've just had Adam Goods at your club, or still did have Adam Goods at your club, who is the king, and if there's anyone that's going to be treated like they're above everyone else at a club, it's Adam Goods. Hmm. If he can be there and the club still be like that, I underestimated their ability to, to act the same towards him. Hmm. And I think that's made his leadership come out and, and his ability to be named the All-Australian captain in 2018 was actually pretty significant because his leadership is really un- underrated, I think, across across commentary of the league. Um, and that go, goes back to what I was saying about him mentoring the forward line to become the players that they're becoming. If you look at the average age of the forward line without him in it, it's incredibly low. It's like 19 or 20. I think Longmire said in a press conference, at one point he looked towards the forward 50 and no one there was over the age of 20. Yeah. yeah. So it's absurd that... Uh, and I, I think that it's... I, I appreciated him being called that. And I think his shock at being named the All-Australian captain in 2018 was the greatest part of it because he he does seem quite... Nowadays, he does seem quite shy from those sorts of accolades. He just wants to go out there, do what works for him, which is mentoring the younger guys, it's kicking goals, it's playing up the field and putting pressure on. He's so fast. Nobody that's... Sorry, that size should be able to have that much speed. He's so fast. So fast. So his willingness to just do whatever the team needs is what Sydney needs in their older players. It doesn't matter whether he's in the leadership um, group or not. As long as he exerts those qualities, who cares? And all that commentary around him, all that noise can just disappear because he's doing something great. The club appreciates it. Most Swans fans appreciate it. I can't say all. And he's going to end up a Hall of Famer. Not just because of what he can do, but what this move to Sydney did. This uh, this was a historic mm. move in the context of AFL football. Yeah. yeah. Something that at the time you knew was going to be massive. Like I remember when I first found out about it and something in my head immediately went off that's going to take up a lot of your time today. And I did just, it came out about midday, I think. And I was just talking to anybody that would listen to me about it for the entire day. And for a couple of weeks afterwards, it, I don't, I think even then, even when we knew it was going to be big, as you say, we now have Tom Lynch signing a seven year contract that no one bats an eyelid at. We didn't really see just how monumental it was going to be. Like it shaped AFL player movement, Probably forever. Yeah. Let's end it on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I see it, but I don't believe it. Nice little Swans reference there. Yeah, that's good. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of days. Fantastic. Fantastic. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.